Episode 200 Above Ground Podcast. I've been everywhere with Abby Tegnelia. Disclaimer. The hosts of this podcast, Will Foley and TPP, are not medical professionals, and this is not medical advice. Both Will and TPP have firsthand experience with mental illness. They have their own perspective and own thoughts on mental health challenges. Above Ground Podcast was birthed to help those who struggle with their mental health through honest dialogue. These conversations aim to break down the walls while building stronger foundations for positive mental health. By speaking openly and sharing tools, they foster connection. By fostering connection, they convey hope. With connection and hope, we can continue to increase awareness. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. That's right, TPP. You can't serve below. And we are joined by Abby Tegnelia. Abby is the CEO of Capital Region and Saratoga Living Magazine. She has previously worked at New York Magazine, Glamour, Us Weekly. She has contributed to Marie Claire, Women's Wear Daily, and Maxim. She loves California wine. She is not an original 518er. We were fortunate enough to meet at the 2022 Nipperfest in Schenectady, uh, where one of her employees and friends actually helped us put up a tent because us being very short and him being very tall. Well, it was just, it was, it was a very useful, (laughs) it was very useful to have him there. Abby, thank you very much for joining us this morning. How are you doing? Really good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, You and I got to have a conversation last summer about a loss that you've suffered in your life. So why don't we start there? Because this is a mental health podcast. The sort of journey that I ended up being on actually started in December of 2020. Uh, My grandmother passed away. She was in her 90s, but we were told that she had at least six months, that she was completely stable and fine. And um, it was the first time it was during the pandemic. So we didn't get to see her. We didn't get to fly out. Her, you know, My mother didn't get to fly out. We didn't get to have services. And it was just so, so odd. And then, you know, less, well... A little bit about five weeks later um my brother who was only 40 years old um i got a phone call that they had been found unconscious in his apartment and um he was you know he passed away by the end of the day and so it was you know i was we were talking about this um here alone i had just moved to upstate and sort of dealing with all of this uh while being completely on you know under lockdown what was that like what was that experience like for you to have to face that by yourself in a literally taken from the physical world and thrown into a virtual world yes you know i never felt um even though grief was lonelier and more isolating than i could have ever imagined i never felt alone because i do have my family i just couldn't get to them and california which is where my brother lived and where i lived before moving here was still was so strict and so for us, it became this, this horribly long waiting game where he, the, the, you know, he wasn't even cremated for three months and we couldn't get um, the paperwork to do a service for six months. And so we, met, we didn't get to get together as a family and have those moments, um, which were really helpful when they finally happened August of that year, I mean, full six months later. So um, having already having been in my own home for so long, so March, to January, 10 months. Um, my mother didn't want me flying cross country for Christmas. So we had done Christmas on Zoom. I'd literally been pretty much alone. And so that it was, it's, it was overwhelming. It, there was, it was, I was ill-prepared for how physically overwhelming it was going to be. Obviously I wasn't expecting it, but dealing with that on top, you know, 10 months alone already, you know, just all of that. And then having to deal with that, it was, it was definitely a lot. We've recently had a lot of conversations about grief and the travel through grief. Obviously, we are into the start of 2023, and you have had several years now of struggle and rebirth and 
coming out of that? Where are you in your process now for yourself grieving your grandmother, but then not only grieving your grandmother, who obviously lived a, a wonderful life at, in, into her 90s. And I was fortunate enough to have a grandmother who lived to be nine in her 90s. And she was actually the one who raised me, which and when I went to live with her, she was already in her 70s. They don't make them like that anymore. Where are you in your grief process now? It really is a process. It's it's pretty amazing. You know, the second it happens, you're in this awful club. Yeah, I know it's it it, it it was two weeks of I don't even know what happened. I I my office was able to give me two weeks off. There were days where I would blink and you know, oh my gosh, only five minutes I've gone live. How am I gonna get to where I can go to sleep again? And then other days when I would blink and oh my gosh, it's already eight o'clock at night. How did that happen? Just I wasn't, you know, the physical. So you kind of first have to get through that the physical part, you know, the headaches, the dry eyes, the not sleeping, the sleeping too much, the, you know, that kind of thing. And then for me anyway, um, I'm really sentimental. We had to get through all the firsts. So, um, you know, this year will be our second Christmas without him. And I think that um, that's, that's important. The two year anniversary will be in January. For me, guilt was the first thing. You know, if I hadn't left California, I'm his big sister, I could have saved the day, you know, kind of all that kind of stuff. And I very quickly was, my brain was able to understand that that was his path and that was his story. I know my stubborn brother, nothing I could have done would have changed it. If it hadn't been for COVID, I would have had more time with him and I would have been able to see him at Christmas. So those were two things I missed out on. But would I have been talking to him every single day? We were both alone during lockdown. So I was talking to him every day. So I just kind of learned to really accept that it was his story and being grateful for every single of the daily text messages and that kind of thing. But it took a long time for me to really believe it on a deep level, even though my brain was had found all these kind of spiritual things and grief groups and everything. It was a long time before I could really walk the walk and really under, understood that. They don't tell you that, you know, you, you can go six months without crying and then all of a sudden you're crying in an inappropriate place <laughs> or something. Um, they just kind of don't tell you that. So I think that's sort of where I'm at. It, it sneaks up on me whenever I don't realize it. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've started, I don't know if you guys uh, talk about this, um, kind of the spiritual journey and um, discovering all of that kind of stuff. So that's just sort of where, where I'm at, uh, accepting that um, in many ways. His death brought me good things, you know, which was really, really, really hard on a deep spiritual level to understand. But, you know, I had let my own health slide, not in any big dramatic way, but I had moved here, hadn't gotten recommendations for doctors yet, then COVID hit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I spent a few months just getting all my checkups done. And now I'm on a better path with that. I found spirituality. I found all of these things. I owe it to my brother. And so I do feel like the rest of my life will be in some ways I may not even understand now. Um, kind of living for him. Um, but also I, I just owe him so much. So. What is something that you'd like to share about your brother that is that brings you joy? Oh, gosh, he was so funny. <laughs> he was so sarcastic. And um, I mean, he could be a lot to handle. Um, and so and so smart. I mean, um, he died the day before President Biden, you know, came into office. And I just kind of that's what I had on watching all day. And I was like, I have no one to text. I have no one to text me funny things that then I'll pretend I said, to my you know, and send me articles and everything else. Like I got dumber the day my brother died, you know, within 24 hours, I was thinking that. And yeah, he's sort of really what could be kind of gruff, but always with this kind of mischievous uh, a grin on his face. But then deep down, I mean, just was a sucker for everybody. His nickname was the professor because he would be at the bar in San, in San Diego and people just come up and ask him questions. He was always helping, you know, he always did pro bono work and he was an attorney and he just, he was just really great that way. He was an attorney. Is that what you just said? Yeah. And so with uh, the California courts, I mean, they just they shut it down. And so um, he was just home alone. So that he was used to being out and about with his clients all the time and, you know, visiting them in the jails. And he just loved that part of his work. He loved the courtroom. He was the opposite of me. I hate public speaking. He had his own YouTube channel. I mean, all of the things he went to his bar, just like cheers every single day. And then all of a sudden, everything shut down. Um, and then slowly, they started doing some things on Zoom, and he actually missed a Zoom court appearance, and that's how they found him. Isolation can um, breed, you know, foster depression, you know, all these different dif different elements that that I think we uh, may have overlooked during this whole during that whole process. No one wants to hear it. 
<laughs> What's that? No one wanted to hear it when I would start yeah. to up because of that. I mean, I would get made fun of, I would get mocked, you know, mental health issues during lockdown all the time with these air quotes. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I was alone for 10 months and I'm stable thinking about the people who are, you know, these issues were festering this whole time. And then all of a sudden throw them in a box for 10 months and see what happens. It was Yeah, they were, they were festering long before that, that whole happened. And they're going to fester long after just, you know, by the way that you just described it, the ignorance that we live with. Um, yeah. The stigma stigmas surrounding mental health. It's just people just don't understand it. They don't get it. And, you know, maybe some of them probably shouldn't speak up about things they don't quite understand at the same time. I just wanted to caveat that there is no festering. It's out. And we and this has proved to us that there really is a lack of resources, but there is also a lack of humanity. We have literally stripped humanity away from people in so many ways by with with so many things, because that's such a big saran wrap ball of stuff that you can't like as you start to piece, take one piece off, you find another piece and you find another piece. And there's no and unfortunately, so many systems are broken that all should be working together, but they don't. And that really was proven by you take people out of the scenario of going to work every day and going to school every day and you stick them in a box and put them in front of this screen. It's just, it was going to break us if it didn't break, if it did hadn't, if we weren't broken before. It's funny. Cause uh, we, we talk often about connection here at above ground and uh, it sounds like that was a, was a large variable in, in this and just what we're talking about. It's, it is a large variable, but in, in this specific case with what, what was, what is your brother's name? Ryan. Ryan. Okay. Just so we don't have to say he and him, you know, I, I give him a little credit here and call him by his name. So, uh, but that's, that sounded like it was a variable with Ryan. It sounded like he was, uh, he thrived in that environment and, and, you know, appreciated that connection with people and, and, you know, maybe inspired people through it. So, you know, when you, when you take that element out of it is uh, it could, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's almost like stuffing a part of that person. And it's uh it's not a good thing. No, he's an absolute extrovert. He went, you know, courtroom and then jail visits all day. And then at the bar all night, he was never alone, which maybe should have been a red flag a long time ago. And um, you know, I could talk about all that kind of stuff all day. But to suddenly just put everyone at home and, you know, having lived in California for a very long time, there are things that I miss and I love about it so much. But, you know, they they pretend to be the state that cares so much about everybody and, you know, all of these things. And yet just caring about people, you know, being stuck at home just never really came up. And their lockdown was so long and so much stricter than, you know, what we experienced here in New York. And I don't I don't know how so many other people did it either they care about the tax dollars that's what they care about they need them because it's to fund all of these programs <laughs> that, they, that, they keep up with, that they say are helpful but um, yeah, yeah. Mm. The, that that element of people being stuck at home whether it was they were alone or whether they had too many family members and it was overwhelming there were all of these different things and those issues just never seemed to come up I, it was really frustrating did ryan have any mental health issues before this or any hurdles, any trauma early on in life? No. And so that's why he was able to, he was a functioning alcoholic, basically, right? And none of we were, and he could get on FaceTime and none of us knew. I mean, obviously I knew my brother drank. I didn't know that. And I didn't know, for sure didn't know that, you know, everyone in his apartment complex was sort of just drinking their way through the pandemic starting in the morning and they are all in their 20s and you know he died at 40 he just was able to keep it all from us because you know had a great job ran his own law firm you know youtube channel on the news all the time big cases all of those things and so no one thought and so i'm like where was the breakdown you know people did know they just didn't uh think it was a big deal because he had such a good job or whatever it was or didn't think they should tell the family they didn't want us to worry or whatever happen I still don't know a lot of it um but yes he did not have any any history of anything except for alcoholism now since then I have discovered codependency which is what I think he had which I guess in a lot of males especially comes out in addiction yeah uh I addiction is definitely a big issue and addiction has been completely spotlighted again through this pandemic because we found that the 
and mental health challenges for people that didn't necessarily think that they had any mental health challenges. As we all know, we all face mental health challenges, whether we want to look in the mirror and admit it or not to ourselves. And it's very difficult to admit it to yourself because then that means if you admit it to yourself, then that means you got to do something about it. And I think that that speaks to the larger conundrum that we're in that if you get involved, then you have to do something about it, which means you don't want to get involved or you don't want to speak up because, oh my God, I don't know what to do. But then again, oh, I don't want to deal with this because it's not my problem. And that's where I think stripping humanity away from people has been a, that has been a negative. I do want to say though, did you experience any, what experience positively did you experience from being able to connect this way? Was Zoom something that you were do you were probably doing Zoom long before this because of your job and as a social media expert? So we actually, we closed our office. And so we have not gone back. Media companies, you know, struggling, you know, not struggling as um, a product, but media is, is struggling to fund itself. So we have not gone back to any sort of office situation, really. Not only did it, when we took some time off at the holidays, and I was stuck inside my house. I was just dying to go back to work for the first time probably in my life, because I was on Zoom all day long. And that's how I spent my time, you know, even before Ryan passed away, he was he had nothing to do. I had, you know, 12 to 15 hours of work to do and a lot of that on Zoom talking to other people. So um, I really came to appreciate that. And then, like you said, after Ryan died, being alone, I reconnected with all of my um, former people. So my, my Reiki person, my spiritual person, um, even my gym class. I got to see my, my best girlfriends online because she started doing Zoom and I was the only one coming in from New York. So the timing was sometimes off, but that was, I mean, that did huge things for me. And then the last totally dorky thing, which is I know probably not where you were going, but I got super into VR <laughs> headset. And so there are social things where we, you know, we come on and I'd be, you know, one guy telling me, you know, their vaccine status in Italy and two people in the UK saying, you know, oh my gosh, I'm across the county line for my boyfriend and they won't let me see it. All these crazy things and it really kept me connected. So absolutely. Technology was there to save the day. Absolutely. You really seem to have a little sparkle in your eye when you mentioned your spiritual journey. Are you a spiritual person by nature? I consider myself a Catholic. Um, still, I think that the spiritual stuff makes me a better Catholic. Now, that might be a little, <laughs> this is why I don't go to mass every Sunday anymore. <laughs> but I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, I say my prayers every night that I remember to Jesus Christ. And I feel like all of the other stuff helps me. And I just, I don't care about the roles that our organized religion of the day has ever made and a lot of that is part of the spiritual journey now so ryan and i were less than three years apart so i don't remember life before him and so i always thought you know he and i neither one of us married or had kids i always thought that i would have a sibling you know decades later when my parents are gone that i would always have him to rely on so i felt very alone even though i have you know my other brother very close to my parents and everyone else so part of my spiritual journey was connecting to my ancestors and I have a very long lineage of being very Catholic and, you know, my grandparents, and there is no way that I would shun that part of my life, especially when I'm talking to my ancestors who are as Catholic as they come. So to me, they all work together aside from, you know, living in New York city and going to a tarot card reader and then, you know, oh my gosh, how are they accurate? And, you know, working on intuition aside from those types of things, everything started um, after like right after he died. Have you met people through this because of this grief process that have helped the grief process, if that makes sense? So one of, um, well, I had never met my brother's girlfriend. I had never met, you know, some, some other people like that um, are now people I talk to regularly. I, the number one thing that I would tell people is to find a grief group immediately. And for me, I never went to one. Mine were always online. I keep in mind, I was working 15 hours a day at that time. Thank God I could just throw myself into it. But no one prepares you for, even if you're in a house with your spouse and your children, no one prepares you for waking up at two o'clock in the morning, just like just overwhelming grief. But you know, I Googled on Facebook grief groups <laughs> and I could sign on at two o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden I wasn't alone. There was someone who just lost their son. There was someone who just lost their, you know, I keep scrolling. Oh my gosh, there's someone who just lost a sibling. Leave comments, talk. And it just helped through those moments of 
or just, you know, at the end of a work day, oh gosh, there's nothing on TV I can handle watching. I'm not going to watch a rom-com. I'm not going to, you know, but I could get on Facebook and just read for an hour, you know, other people who are going through this at the exact same time as me. And I'm not alone in this. And this is something that everyone goes through and I can help them right now. And they can help me right now. And, you know, I was talking to people all, all over the place. Um, so that would be the, the main thing. And then through wanting to go through the grief process as in as healthy way as possible, um, I discovered some, like I said, new spiritual people, but I'm also, you know, a journalist. And so I do a lot of my stuff via book. <laughs> so when I found a codependency book, um, I realized that, you know, I was just skating by without, you know, addressing that because mine wasn't as dramatic as Ryan's. So, you know, got recommended the best book and the best person did all of the activities highlighted everything in my Kindle, looked at it every single day, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. When um, exactly what you were saying earlier, the person who recommended it to me read it like a novel and never looked at it again. And you know, I realized her codependency is with um, her partner. And just like you said, if you address the codependency and then you have to decide what, you know, you might have to decide, you have to actually make changes that, you know, either you, you maybe you chose the wrong guy or maybe you have to you know go through a divorce or you know whatever it happens to be i think all that you know especially codependency it all it all this eventually affects your attachment styles which obviously is going to affect your relationships so Absolutely. it's definitely uh as, as you know if you're spiritual it's all interconnected <laughs> everything <laughs> is connected test again because i mean i was severely anxious and then my spiritual person that or my life coach, um, she keeps asking me and I was like, I haven't taken it since I went through two years of intense codependency, you know, codependency therapy, even if it was on my own with a book. So I don't know what I'd come up as now. Where are you in your grief process now? You know, I have long periods of, of being very stable. You know, I talk to him all the time. Uh, you know, I have a diary, uh, you know, and then you get spiritual signs and, um, I feel like I can talk to him more now as in the beginning, it was looking for actual signs. And now I feel like we have just kind of a connection. And then all of a sudden, you know, this is our second Christmas without him. And the first one was as highly charged as anyone can imagine. So all of a sudden kind of some anxiety has come up and you just never know what's going to pop up. I don't know if I, if we went through this, but you know, my dog ended up passing away on mid October and in these grief groups, you know, it's amazing because the pet posts get more, attention sometimes than some of the bigger ones because everyone is in that grief group because they lost someone close to them. So when you see the pet post, you know that that was their support system and that was such an important part of what got them through whatever it was, terrible thing that got them into this grief group. And so that really was, it was like, okay, well now, you know, he's the one that got me out of the house twice a day to take a walk and get fresh air. He's the one that, I mean, I say I was alone, I wish my dog could talk. He wasn't, but at least he was there. You know, all of a sudden, all of that was gone too. And I don't know, maybe I was more prepared, but yeah. So that's what I'm dealing with now. <laughs> well, we, I, I've stressed animals for a very long time because I, animals are very important and I didn't have animals growing up, but in the last 20 years, I've had four cats and a dog and I've only had one dog in my life and he only lived a couple of years. He was a really beneficial partner for me because he got me through a really hard time and we provided the last few years of his life to be pretty good for at least at least on in our guesstimation because we adopted him and he was like left on the side of the road and it was he had a really hard story and we all have a story we all have a story where are you as far as your mental health goes how are you keeping on? What is something that you've discovered about yourself that you didn't realize before all this process started? You've you've been around the world. You have an incredible pedigree. You've written for some of the biggest media media places in the world. Like what is what does mental health look like to you from the lens that you've seen? I mean, you've you spent many years in Vegas, many years in California. I get a lot of joy from travel and wasn't able to for so long. And when I was finally able to get on a plane again, um, it was to go, you know, to my brother's services or to visit my family for the first time and, you know, and then our first Christmas. And so this year for the first time, I'm kind of getting able, you know, being able to travel again, which to me is what brings that magic back. It's what makes me feel whole again. 
and not like some depressed girl who was alone in her box, you know, for 10 months like we've been talking about. So it, you know, the world kind of still opening up two years later really is important. For me, mental health, you know, I've learned that, you know, life is about your choices. You know, I, I have two brothers and during lockdown, Ryan chose to get up every morning and drink with 20 somethings and, you know, all day long. And my other brother who had been living in Asia for 10 years was now living at home with his, our parents and he chose to stay with them and he chose to go back to school and just to, for something to do, learned how to code and now has a second, you know, whole career. And, and those are two very different ways to deal with something that, um, that was a tough situation. You know, they both threw themselves into something. So, um, I've learned that, you know, I have to make important choices for myself. Um, and a lot of the choices you make on a physical level do, you know, come back to bite you later on. For me, it's, you know, I, I never thought I'd be someone who could ever meditate. And now I love it. Um, my life coach was like, think of it as your time alone with only yourself and you could cut the rest of the universe out. And I never thought about it that way. And, you know, with codependency, you always are looking for outside validation. And so for the first time ever looking for it, here and finding that I quite enjoy those few minutes alone <laughs> and things like that. And, and every single thing is a choice, you know, just keep showing up and, and keep doing it. And, um, you know, everyone says that. And until you sort of literally experience one choice could go very wrong and then another person's choice, you know, he's, you know, very successful. It's terrible lessons to learn, but that's life. That's yin and yang. That's yin and yang at its at its finest. And Tim and I have had this conversation recently about how when we as we grow older, the yin and yang becomes more intense on both sides. For for the highest highs, you have the crushingest lows because that's just how life works out. Because we we have more invested in in people in ourselves and things. As someone who has struggled with codependency his entire life and has only really realized that over the last few years. And has experienced that in in many facets of my life at this point. I struggled to even understand what it was. And you just talked about how meditation has helped you figure out what is your go-to style of meditation, if you don't mind me asking. Do you sit on a cushion? Are you more of a like take a walk kind of meditator are you or do you, you kind of encompass a lot of the like different things depending on how you're feeling that day no well, that's a great question because um when i talked about my dog right after ryan passed away and i started i almost felt like our walks were just a walking meditation because i was so in this cloud and um and then after that when i started uh kind of reading spiritual books and started, you know, learning the value of positive talk, which is a huge thing of codependency. You're always, you know, thinking the negative and when's the next shoe going to drop? No, you know, and so positive things. And so on my walks were when I would repeat my positive things over and over and over and over again. And then, you know, and my dog started getting older and older and, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? And then, so, so it started off as yes, repeating kind of mantras and, and walking. Um, you know, my dog had, he just he loved his walk so it's a lot of time outside and then all of a sudden that kind of going away and then um i just use insight timer it's an app on the phone and uh i do i just do three minutes a day and it goes by so fast and sometimes i'll do a second one and um there are other things that i do um before i go out into crowds and things like that i'm such an introvert and i've noticed that since doing a meditation when i you know hold my my crystal to, to just center myself before going out into the world that it happens immediately um, and so uh, kind of little things throughout the day, kind of little rituals that I have. There, there are certain things about the Catholic church that I just cannot get past, obviously. And, and we know what those things are. However, there is something very beneficial. I mean, we tend to go back to things that have us set in those traditions sort of, and I didn't realize the power of those, of specific traditions that and and practices that are involved in these things and and all of this is practice it takes practice to do this it takes practice to keep going and to develop more how have you combined the two are there certain things that you do that kind of combine the two of them yes I, really i really do think that they've worked you know i from catholic school we you know we say our prayers at night that's just one of the rituals that you do as a catholic 
And then on the spiritual side, they're always saying spirit loves when you say goodnight to them. And it was like, oh my gosh, this thing I've been doing. So I say something slightly different at night, but I do try to say goodnight to everyone who's who's beaten me to heaven. And um, I say to my dog, who was you know by my side for almost fourteen years, I still say out loud goodnight to him um, because you know she told me that spirit loves it. And as someone who was you know said her goodnight prayers since she was a little girl, it, it was oh my gosh. So that that right there is something that just combining the two. And I still say my Hail Marys. And I still think that's very spiritual. <laughs> was it a struggle for you to connect the two or was it just a natural thing? It was very, very natural for me, actually. It's funny. I don't I don't say God a lot either. Um, but I do think that there is something bigger than us. I use I just say the universe a lot. You know, I'm famous for saying the universe is in sync. <laughs> and I just kind of say that all the time. Um the one thing about codependency again is just you know whatever is that you need what i need is different than what you need different than what you need and, and the most important thing to honor your soul is to find your own path and then to walk it and so um if i want to say hail mary's because i'm super super into celebrating um women right now then i'm gonna say my hail mary's and if if i don't say the prayer that i was taught growing up because there's a couple lines in there that i don't want to use anymore but i have you know kind of shifted to um saying other things and i have not that's one thing that i have not spent time on <laughs> many many other things have i fixated on but that is not one of them i think i think that's actually uh, pretty crucial is what you just said is you know a lot of people are black and white when it comes to things whether it's religion or whatever it's like if you know if you're this then you can't be this and i and i again it's crucial that you take what you need from it and you incorporate that into a practice, your daily routines, whatever you want to call it. And you don't have to, uh, you know, it's not about fitting into a box or it's not about appeasing somebody else's you fitting into a box. You know, it's like their version of, of you is their version of you. But at the end of the day, you are you and you have to do what what feels right for you and kind of embrace your authentic self. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I think that is a, is a huge part. I couldn't agree more. Um, that's why I say I'm a Catholic because, you know, just because they say you have to do this and this and this and this and this, I am still Catholic. And I, my grandparents who came over from Italy and as Catholic as you could possibly be, you know, the Pope blessed them twice in their life. Mean, we're talking, I talk to them every night. Trust me, they think I'm Catholic. So whatever, you know, humanity on this side of the veil says about being certain things that's fine they can say whatever they want but i know when i cross over that um i lived my own path spiritually and i think religiously well clearly you have kind of smashed your box and like you you there's no box that holds abby and you can tell because you've kind of created your own path what where did the journalism start were you a writer in school did you keep journals did you like is this part of your spiritual journey too is is writing part of your spiritual journey is well you are good <laughs> <laughs> well i i kind of figured that because of your because of of what you've done in your life i mean it's it's incredible to to hear about just read some of the stuff that i read and then and then see where you have have been that you've obviously been connected to something throughout your life. And it, it obviously has carried you through and you found a way to make that become your whole entire life, which so many of us struggle with. So many of us are, are stuck in that, in that job versus hobby versus what can I do with this? And, and obviously technology has been fortunate for a lot of people that it's opened up people and people's blogs have blown up and things like that. And, and we get to do podcasts like this and stuff. So how did you come to become the journalist media person that you became? And was this something that like, was this English class in, in high, like school? Was it? Five years old, my diary started off with, hi, my name is Abby and I'm a writer. <laughs> wow. So I have known my entire life. I um, I went to high school. Uh, that was a magnet school for the performing arts. I was a dancer. I did a, a mini national tour, did all these things. But I, it was always just something to do until I became a writer. Um, you know, I traveled. I lived in Spain. I backpacked. 
until I could get, you know, everything was just, I, I never, ever um, looked back. And that was one thing I always knew. And that, you know, I sort of struggled with like, okay, so my intuition when it comes to the work stuff is so dead on, I can trust it. So why, what is preventing me from, um, you know, a relationship or other things like that? And the codependency sort of um, was able to, to work on all of that. And then for the writing, you said, how does this all sort of come together? Um, uh, you know, the, they always say this inner child work. I always struggled with that. I just, no matter what, I couldn't visualize myself as a child, my own inner hand, all these things, until I found my childhood diaries. And so I would, I would go through and read them. And then, oh my gosh, if you ever want to see emotion, read a, teen, a female teenager's diary or a 12, you know, 12 year old girl's diary. And, oh my gosh, there were times I couldn't even write. I was so emotional. And all of a sudden I can remember that time and I can go now when I visualize what I'm doing in my meditation, I can say, oh, thank you so much for doing that. Cause I know that's what she needed, you know, at that moment or, and I, I can picture these actual real life things and I can see what I wrote. And then that for the first time, I was, you know, I was finally able to kind of crack the inner child work that people kept bringing up and I kept not being able to do. <laughs> codependency now for you how have you started to break that down for me just the the number one thing was the no longer caring about outside validation i mean just and and i had <laughs> i had experienced little pieces of this um you know i was always you know always cared too much about you know what i looked like and things like that and now i can just kind of relax me myself but the, like one tiny stupid thing was at the gym i'd always be in the back row and always terrified of falling and, and this was years ago and my uh person at the time was like who cares no one cares about you no one's looking at you <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh right and then all of a sudden i could feel the energy of the room like we're 50 women in this room working out we all showed up and that to me and that was the first i didn't know it at the time that was the first time i went from always caring about what someone else was you know what if she you know no one's looking at me no one cares i just do me She's doing her, she's doing her, he's doing, and um, so that's, that's been it for me. If I, you know, stutter or something during a big interview or during a big thing, no one cares, keep going, you know, just not worried about the outside validation, but for me, it just changed my entire life. And, and these are probably things that no one else would notice. It's an inner anxiety that I got to work on myself and that I get to live the second half of my life without that anxiety. And yes, you know, I, I think about it all the time, little things come up, but um, that has been a, a game changer for sure. There's a lot of anxiety inside. It, it comes off one way, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily feel that way. How have you struggled with that? Obviously it seems like you have, but I don't want to assume that. No, definitely. That was my biggest struggle. Um, always just have, you know, thinking about just thinking too much what people cared and people can sense that you don't, re you know, you don't realize. And I could probably mask it the most um, at work. And so that no one probably ever noticed, but in relationships or um, like, you know, at the gym, maybe people thought I came off as nervous. I don't, you know, I don't know. But then you start working out, it probably all goes away. You know, until you address it, it really is something that you can figure out how to mask to the outside world. But at the end of the day, you know, you look back at your own life and how you lived it. And so to know that you lived your whole life with this weird anxiety about what other people are thinking and that, you know, there are ways around it. I would, I, you know, anyone who, you know, and the word codependency, people don't know what it means. They think it's, it means like, oh, they're in a relationship and they can't live without each other. But a single person can be codependent. It literally, the only definition is outside validation versus inner. And so if you have someone who, you know, comes off as nervous or then I, you know, no one listens until they're ready, but at least you could bring it up. <laughs> well, that's interesting because you, you live in a world full of outside validation. I mean, when you think about what you've done, like that is all about outside validation. So how how have you rectified that with yourself? Yeah, so uh, there are two parts to that. One is the work itself. Uh, there's a difference between 
you know, writing big stories because you want to see your name out there. And, you know, truly, I, I barely hardly write anymore. I don't care about any of that. My whole life is about celebrating this community I live in. And so it's about putting it out there and then hoping that it just helps celebrate the capital region. And I don't, I no longer care if someone says, oh my gosh, you know, your issue was so great. I love to hear it. But it's not, there's, you know, that's the, the one part of it on the work side. The other part of it is being somewhat of a public figure. Back when I was in Vegas, I very much was, was always on the news and things like that. And let me tell you, it was a full day process to do a 15 minute interview that, you know, professional makeup and the hair had to be done. And what was I going to wear? And, you know, three weeks before that, you know, not eating for a while and, you know, just making sure you look a certain way. And um, no, I do not care. <laughs> so think so. And, and think about all those full days that I spent worrying about this stuff and what I could have done. And so, you know, now here we are on a Sunday morning and, you know, everything's fine. Ah, wisdom comes with age. <laughs> <laughs> wisdom comes with age as long as you're willing to sit down and contemplate it and figure out what it's all about and accept the things that you have done and accept the fact that it's all part of the learning process and the education. Yes. And it is. And I get a kick out of it now. You know, some of the deepest stuff I'm like, wow, this is going to change my life. This is so cool. This is why I'm here. You know, that was one of my life lessons. Oh, wow. Like, you know, I just, I, I love it. Well, just so just for a little validation for you, uh, back in the holiday issue, uh, above ground podcast happened to get mentioned in the capital region living. And here it is. And this was not open because you were coming on. This has been sitting on my desk. I actually have several copies of it because I've got, I grabbed one for Tim and stuff. But I, we want to thank you very much for that because that that's huge to be recognized for that. So I I I really do appreciate that, and it it meant a lot to me to see that logo there. And I was like, I was like, whoa! I was I was I was actually in a Stewart's, and I work in behavioral health direct care now. And I was outside. I was out with a client at um, and I happened to see the issue, and I was like, wait a second. And then I flipped the page and I saw it and I, I, I almost fell over just to see it in, in like there. Cause it's, it was cool. It was very cool. And it's, it's been awesome to like, this has been an awesome journey for us so far. And I, I look forward to whatever is coming in the future. So thank you very much for allowing us to be a part awesome. of it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, truly, thank you for the work that you do. It was really important to me that to get you guys into the holiday issue. The holidays can be so hard for people with mental health issues. And so just wanted to make sure we saved a spot for you guys. So thank you. Yeah, luckily, you can go back to the December episodes. And uh, Tim and I did an episode uh, recently about what what how to how to how to not stress through the holidays if you can do that i'm not sure if you cannot stress through the holidays and and you you hit upon an interesting point about that is that like when you're struggling with something especially loss and grief the holidays are are so brutal so so thank you very much for sharing that tim i don't want to take up all abby's morning do you have anything else before we kind of circle back just uh real real quick maybe a couple mentions on where we can grab the the magazine, you know. Will mentioned Stewart's has it. Yeah, a lot of Stewart's have it. Um, Hannaford, Price Chopper, Market Thirty Two, Healthy Living here um, in Wilton, places like that. Um, okay. The capital Region. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we have we usually finish up with three questions. Uh, the first question is: Do you have a favorite? Or a least favorite word? Um, I could not. As a writer, I was like, they're asking me to choose my children. <laughs> um, I love finding new words or finding new words I haven't used in a while. But like, oh, I'm bringing that back. Um, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm obsessed with words. And I don't think I could choose one. For at least favorite, I would say as a writer, just those words that just by their being in existence um, are misused. <laughs> Not to be too dorky, but you know, one that comes to mind is unique. Unique means one of a kind, um, and yet everyone says something is very, unique <laughs> or, you know, so unique. It's either one of a kind or it's not. <laughs> and so that's that. Those are my personal uh, crosses to bear. I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I know that we kind of went <clears throat> back and forth on email about this, but 
you kind of covered about staying above because our tagline is get well, be safe, say, stay above. And you kind of covered that throughout your, throughout this conversation. So I actually had a thought because I am the father of a daughter. So my question to you is what is something that we can tell young women out there about mental health and about themselves that they may not hear all the time or something that you want to share? Well, one thing I think for females, obviously, is to, to ask them what they want and what they need. Um, just keep asking them. Um, for whatever reason, sometimes we're uncomfortable sharing. And guys have a certain ability sometimes just to kind of without any um, grace, just kind of bulldoze over, you know, young girls in school. And um, sometimes they can just by raising their hand 10 times, charm a teacher a certain way or um, and the, the females kind of get overshadowed and that has got to stop. Um, my unpopular opinion is that th we were on this weird, you know, I was just at a conference in, um, in Iceland and it was a big deal for the women to call themselves actors or other unisex words or words that I think are male. Why, if you're going to choose a word to represent everybody, why can't it be actress instead of actor? No, you are trying to erase the femininity and it's all in a, they said, oh, well, people think actress and these think, you know, low cut tops and miniskirts. I don't think so. I don't think just because you're feminine or just because you're a woman that you're wearing a low cut top. And I think that you know, in ancient societies, feminine powers were celebrated and it made, you know, the male and female were equal. And so um, I just, you know, as, um, you know, as women are growing up, what do they need? What do they want? You know, just, just, they can be whatever they want and they can still wear pink or they can still wear a dress. And it's just part of everything. Now, if, you know, anything, you know, we are so accepting right now of all these different types of people. And it's amazing to watch and it's amazing to be alive at this time. But the one, the one place that's being erased is, is the divine femininity in um, women. And they need to know that they can grow up and be celebrated for women too, if that's their path. It, I always knew I would have a girl. I just knew it. For some reason, I, I I don't know why I just did. I always and and I do, and she's amazing. And you know, it's it's a scary world out there, and trying to to be a dad and 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 teach and and learn myself. And that's one thing that I've embraced finally again is learning because I I stopped learning for a long time. I got stuck in my own ruts, and now I've embraced learning and. And thank you very much for sharing that. I appreciate that. So much to teach us. I don't know if you find that all the time, uh, but my nieces, my nephews, and I learn from them every single day. And this next generation is going to be an interesting one. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> for for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Yeah, it's been a, a kind of a joy to watch them grow up. Uh, their their teenage years are very different than our teenage years, and it's really cool. They've got a lot of good things coming. Yes, they are. I don't know. I, there's an old proverb. I don't know exactly from where, or I don't know it verbatim, but it's something along the lines of like, kids are here to show us the way or to, to like uncover our own things. So I, I agree with that hundred percent. The last question we have is if there was something that you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole, without any kind of restraint, what would it be? Where to start? I mean, that was such a huge, huge, huge question. For me, um, the main goal would be to to find those little red flags earlier. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, with addiction or mental health issues, we don't, we're not able to see it until it's too late or um, it's, even if it's not too late, it's so much rougher than it has to be. Um, you know, in some countries, for example, the government pays for, for daycare. So if the schools are having a half day and all of a sudden your, your child can't stay at school either during the full day or the aftercare, then what does a single parent do? Well, you know, all these parents and, and having daycare there means that they can make a therapy appointment, means that they can go to their doctor who then can say, okay, you need to go to therapy. Um, if you have high blood pressure, why do you have high blood pressure? Is it stress from work? Is it because you're drinking every day? Um, you know, all of these things need to be caught earlier so that, you know, by the time anyone knew that, you know, what was wrong with Ryan, it, it was too late. And there's a possibility that maybe in his twenties and, you know, his blood pressure, these other physical things that were going on, why didn't a doctor ever say then that, you know, certain things needed to happen? 
and then, um, you know, however, I'm sure you guys have better, um, you know, kind of methods than me. How do we get all these different parts connected? I, you know, they, they have to be connected. There's no reason why someone should be 28 years old and have high blood pressure and not being at least in therapy or something else. And there just, there's have to be ways to catch this stuff before it's too late. And it all has to do with, we make healthcare so overwhelmingly difficult. Um, you know, even when I was in California, my um, self-employment was over $700 a month. And I went to a checkup and it was $2,000 for my yearly checkup. So then if that was where that was, do you think I was gonna try to go to therapy or if I needed it rehab or anything like that? Why are those not connected? And um, last time I went to my my normal checkup, they started asking me, do you feel safe at home? Do you, some of these do domestic violence questions, I think that's so great. And I hope that the next step is then some uh, mental health questions, um, you know, not just, you know, okay, you have high blood pressure. I just keep going that because it's the easiest one. You know, a lot of people, oh, some someone died of a heart attack. That's what they say when people die of addiction. Your body did give up. That is what happened. Your heart stopped. But um, there were little things that, that were very clear that were going on for the past 10 to 20 years with every single, it wasn't an OD. All of that stuff was building. Why, why aren't doctors asking? Why is your blood pressure so high? Why are you having problems? What is your anxiety from? Um, oh, you're having gastro issues. Okay, go see the specialist. Okay, well, maybe now that's an extra step. They don't go to see the specialist. But then also, why are they having gastro issues at a young age? You know, you need to change your diet. Um, when I was in Vegas, our um, insurance was actually preventative. So if you came up with um, high blood pressures, as what runs in my family, so I go back to that, you, you could risk losing your insurance if you didn't go through all the steps to get it to go down. And now here it's like, oh, you're addicted to something the past 20 years. Let's see if we can fix you overnight. And it just, it's just often too late. I think, I think accountability for like, I think healing and all this stuff is, it's not just one single thing. There's variables and, and it may be an unpopular opinion, but you know, you have to have, you have to be your own advocate. You know, doctors probably do tell you this. And sometimes we either don't follow up or just don't take whatever. Well, my life is too busy. Uh, it's not a big deal. Whatever it is, we don't want to stop and look in the mirror, you know. And, you know, it's tough. It's tough to, to kind of put it all on doctors. Uh, we had a um, we've had a few on, but I remember specifically asking one doctor about the, this whole thing and, and you know, about why, why does it seem to be a, a gut reaction to just here, here's a pill, here's medication, take this. And, you know, he came up with the, I mean, obviously it was a real answer, but it was the most logical one because people don't want to hear all these other ways of doing it. They want the simple magic trick that's quick and easy. And this shit is not quick and easy. So I don't know if people don't want to hear that. They don't want to put in the time. I don't know what it is, but there's so many variables to this that you have to be a part of it. Healing, acceptance, they're active processes. If you are not active in it, it will not happen. That's all I'm going to say to that. No, it's, it's very, very true. And as a doctor, if you poured your heart and soul into every single client, then you'd have nothing left to give, right? So they probably take an overall consensus and then that is what they do. I think that's why the preventative insurance actually went a long way. I mean, it was a pain, guys. It was to be told you have to go on an extra thing. But then guess what? You went to the extra thing, you know? So I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that there are people out there who want to go to therapy, who want to go to the specialists, who want to go to those things, and they can't afford the extra childcare. They can't afford the extra things. So, you know, like you said, all of these different parts coming together, we've got to make it easier. Like our healthcare has to be easier. There's also, you know, I think there's, there's also, um, there's books out there. There's uh, YouTube. There's a lot of things that you can do that may not cost as much as you think, you know, and there's a place for all this stuff. You know, there's, there's people that need to see a medical doctor. There's no question about that, but there's also people that, that need to see like a, a book that can explain certain steps and say, Hey, you know what? You're not crazy. You're not broken. These things, the way that you're thinking is the way that our brains are developed, okay? The way the outside world affects us has nothing to do with you. And like you said, no one's looking at you when you trip on the sidewalk because you know why? Because they're all worried about the same thing that you're looking at them. 
No one cares. We're not all that special, to be honest with you. That's it. You know, and, and people may not want to hear it, but we're not all that special. You know, so let's break it down and and, and go on YouTube or, or find a, a life coach that may may work with you on a sliding scale or, or pick up some audio books. There's libraries got books for free. You know what I mean? There are oh, yeah. Instagram there, is free and there's so there are ways for sure. There. And like you like you said, I think what we need to do is what what's missing is some of the, the critical thinking skills that people are lacking and take what you need from something. Don't just jump in and say, well, this, this, this woman's a doctor, so she knows best. No, take, take from them, take from him, take from her, take from a, take from a peer that has lived through this experience. And then when, when like what you did with uh, the Catholic church, take what you need, take what you need to get you through the next day. Use that. You don't have to incorporate 9 million things. You don't have to, like Will said earlier, you don't have to sit on a mat with your eyes closed to meditate. That's not what it's about. You don't have to wear, uh, you know, the brand new workout gear to, to Hannaford to show people that you work out. It's not about that. In fact, it's, 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 that's completely opposite because you are doing that because you're searching for outside validation from somebody else to go, well, that person works out because in our society, we view people that work out as, Ooh, they must be better than me because you know what? They're superior because they go to the gym and that's what we value, which is bullshit because we shouldn't value it. But as a society, we do value it. And then you, you know, start so, going to the gym just so you can look a certain way in those. Right. Little- and you've lost it all. It's not store. about that. It's not about it's that at all. Taking care of your own body and soul. And what you said about how we're just not all that special is exactly it. When I was like, oh, right. No one's looking at me at the gym. That's exactly it. And um, someone, I don't remember it was in the book or someone told me that in, that codependents are um, egomaniacs with inferiority complexes. And that is exactly what it is. Like, why do you think that you're so special that everyone cares about what you are wearing to the grocery store or to walk down the sidewalk? And at the same time, you know, you're so nervous that everyone's thinking but at the same time, the ego has to be there. If you think that they're thinking about you to begin with, it's this crazy right. thing, but we're all Which I don't, human. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think they, but like you said, I don't think they understand, but like you said, we're all human. That's, this is the human condition. This is what it's like to be human. And that's what people need to hear. Like, you know, we're all going through these ups and downs, you know, some more than other, but, you know, to stop and compare, like, instead of stopping and comparing, let's stop and learn from each other. Let's stop and gain some knowledge from each other. And through that, we can gain some compassion and empathy for each other. You know, there's, a, there's something to look at. Abby, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure talking to you and and hearing about your journey and your travel and, and just all the positive stuff that you put out into the world. And thank you for a lot, you know, thank you for putting us in the issue and, and all that stuff. And I look forward to all the things that you're going to do in the future and everything. And thank you so much. And I am so sorry for the loss of Ryan and obviously the loss of your grandmother and your, and your dog, because that the dog loss is a, is a really tough thing. And we, you know, a lot of people don't recognize the the value of their value of pets and things. So thank you so much. How do you operate on social media? Where do you want people to find you? Like, what would you like to leave, leave our listeners with to say, Hey, check this out. Um, well, anyone can connect with me at any time. I'm, I'm pretty um, good at social media, meaning I get back to people. Instagram is the best place. Um, you know, my last name is tough, but it's unique. So it's at Abby Tegnelia, A-B-B-Y-T-E-G-N-E-L-I-A. And uh, the magazine, Capital Region Living, uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, it's a different handle on each social media platform, unfortunately, but um, I'm the one that gets the messages even. So you can find me there, CRL mag usually and Saratoga living is um, also easy to find. So check out the magazines. We're doing our best to uh, celebrate the area during these times and uh, celebrate um, or support local journalism because it really does matter. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. It is so awesome to have you here, Tim. Get well. Be safe. Stay above. Thank you so much for listening to episode 200. It has been one heck of a ride for the last 200 episodes, man. So on behalf of Tim and I, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone out there who listens to these episodes, who shares this information, who checks in with us on social media. 
I would love to say thank you to all our guests for these last 200 episodes, as well as all of the organizations and places that Above Ground Podcast is fortunate enough to set up and table and share resources and have conversations and connect people to other people. After all, life is about connecting. So who are you connecting to today? And if you're connecting to them and they need some resources, tell them about Above Ground Podcast. So until next week, check back in with us for episode 201. Get well, be safe, stay above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.